Welcome to the only podcast that shares the astronomical and mathematical positions of the heavenly bodies. This is Sky Astrology. No, not astrology. This is Sky Astrology via astronomy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to July. Yes, it's aka Cloudette with the first podcast of this July 2019. And here we are again on a Monday looking to see and be conscious of where the heavenly bodies are. So take a 10 minute break. I might go longer today because we have an eclipse coming up tomorrow and it's best to get that out of the way today so that you know how to best embrace this amazing, interesting energy that will be seen in part of this Earth's plane. Okay, so just a second, I'll be right back. I'm back with where the heavenly bodies are and I have used a time stamp of 33 minutes after 3 p.m. today July 1st 2019 and it is London time London UK so at this time the constellation of Virgo was rising and that is at the point of 39 degrees of Virgo could be seen from the horizon, which means just briefly, if a child was born today at 1533 in London, he or she would have the ascendant of Virgo at 39 degrees. Okay, next we have where the biggest heavenly body is, and it is at nine degrees of the constellation of Fucus. And one arch minutes, and that's Jupiter. Jupiter is also retrograde in this space now. And it conjunct my Venus. Ooh, if you only knew. Okay, next. K2. K2 is a calculation used by Vedic astrologers a lot. It is also known as the South Node. And it is currently at 21 degrees of Sagittarius and six arch minutes. Next, we have three retrograde heavenly bodies, one that we can see with our naked eye, and the others, we know they are there because NASA told us so. Anyway, (laughs) because they've been observed, and actually, they can be seen with telescopes, I'm quite sure. So, um, if you look in the direction of where the Sagittarius constellation is, you will see Saturn, which is conjunct K2. Now, you won't see K2 because K2 is a calculation. It's a space um, that is calculated depending on the sun and the moon. But because of the sensitive point and because Saturn is there on the exact degree, we are mindful and cautious and conscious of it. 
And this is all happening at 21 degrees of Sagittarius. Saturn is 21 degrees, 18 arch minutes. And K2 is 21 degrees, 6 arch minutes. Not a lot. I mean, 21 degrees is where it's at. Okay, then we have Pluto, which isn't far behind. It's not exactly where those are, but it is at 25 degrees Sagittarius and 41 arch minutes of that wonderful teapot constellation of Sagittarius. Then we have the home of the Galactic Center, I want to add. Then we have the retrograde uh, heavenly body of Neptune, which we cannot see with our naked eye, but we are conscious of. And it is at 20 degrees Aquarius in 56 arch minutes retrograde, meaning it was almost 21 degrees, but in the retrograde it will be going closer or look like it's going closer to 20 degrees of Aquarius. We have... Uh, the Chiron that we observe, it's not really a heavenly body, it's an asteroid, but it seems to have some connection. So we first start with observing it and acknowledging its position. Next we have Uranus, which, spoiler alert, if you follow Western astrologers, especially the ones <laughs> who say that this is happening in the sky, and then we'll turn around and say that Uranus is in Taurus. Uh, then that's not true. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what's astronomically, mathematically, and visually can be seen in the sky. Or with the sky location app. Because Uranus cannot be seen with your naked eye. But you can use the sky location app to see it. And the best um, telescopes to see it. Okay, what's important also now to note, uh, did I tell you where it is? I've gone on about Uranus, where it's not. Where it is, is 6 degrees of Aries and 58 arch minutes. Next, we have our moon. Moon, 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 moon. So important. I'm so um, fascinated by the things that are happening and the energy that's happening where this moon is because it's in Taurus and Taurus is home to Aldebaran which is like a red star it's a home to Betelgeuse which is also that might be the red star but it's also a significant fixed star um Pallades star system you know we know how um, my, how important Pleiades systems are and how long it's been for over at least we know proof of 15,000 years has been watched by earthlings from earth so um, when the moon goes through there I am particularly mindful to um, use that earth energy or to convert this you know cosmic weather into something that makes sense in the here now and materialize and sensual and you know specially um seductive and um interesting like you know interesting enough that somebody wants to touch it interesting enough that somebody wants to possess it interesting enough that somebody wants to have it and that can have it that can hold it and feel it. It's not just an idea. It's not just an inspiration. It's not just talk or questions. It is something that 
is real, that a yearning for, that people need, that, you know, the energy is needed of that energy, the energy that is giving off. It is needed that it materializes itself. And I say that because the moon is connected to feelings, it's connected to the tides, it's connected to waters, connected to cancer. Cancer is connected to the mother, connected to needs. And it's now in the Pallades star system with the seven sisters, algebra, John Carter. But main thing is, it's the bull, it's the symbolism, it's stubborn, and it's fixed and it's materialized and it wants to manifest itself it wants to be continue to be earth-based and to continue to be tangible and that is the kind of you know the memo how can you make this intuition this presence of this moon energy something that will be secure, that will manifest itself. And that's when, when, when the moon comes around to that, and it does every month, I am mindful of that, and I am conscious of that, and therefore I am projecting or focusing in my own life how to really, you know, appreciate that energy and use it to, of course, my benefit And I only suggest you do the same. And especially now that I want to say is because Venus is there as well. And also because the sun just came out of Taurus. It's now in Gemini, but it was in Taurus, you know, for 36 days. Because that's how many degrees of the ecliptic Taurus has, as we can see from, from Earth. And, you know, the... Venus is now at 33 degrees. I'll go to the next 33 degrees and 49 arch minutes of Taurus. But it's been there the whole time. Venus understands Taurus. Venus is about, you know, pleasantries and love and security and beauty. And um, when it's connected to Taurus, you know, this is all things that I like. Um, You know, I'm a Libra, even though I was thought to I was told I was Scorpio which I never was really um connected to connected with anyway I don't want to digress so yeah you know use this energy especially now because you know things are about to get like a little bit different you know kind of Mercury retrograde and um solar eclipse and things like that so yeah just be mindful to appreciate the Venus in this Taurus constellation where it's comfortable in. And actually on the, I think the day after, but this week it will be moving out of that sign. But, you know, it's been there for 36 days, so it's just not going to drop it like a hot potato and go into Gemini and forget it was in the Earth sign. No, it's going to bring that knowledge with it as so shall you. Okay, so I've gone on and on and on and on about that. Let's go next to where the sun is. Because I said 10 minutes. I'm at 9.46 minutes. Um, Yes, 10 minutes podcast for this bit. And that is the sun is at 9 degrees of Taurus and 4 arch minutes. Followed by Rahu, which is the north node. People know this true node, north node. And that's 17 degrees of Gemini and 12 arch minutes. We have Mars. In Cancer, just entered Cancer at one degree of Cancer and 30 arch minutes. And last but not least, 
before it's 11 minute podcast in too long we have mercury at four degrees of cancer and 38 arch minutes but mercury will go retrograde and back into gemini where it is comfortable but use what i was talking about we're in this cancer energy this mother energy this taking care is what we need this intuition and needs and you and remember remember um how important it is to communicate what you need i think that kind of sums it up to yourself talk to yourself first okay thanks for listening to this part of the podcast um i'm gonna go on i've got a big announcement about an amazing moon festival that's happening in london that i was too late to be a part of but maybe i don't know they'll find some space for me but i want to tell you about a really incredible event so if you stay tuned i'm gonna let you know all about that but otherwise i'm wishing you a fantastic july a fantastic um solar eclipse which i'm going to talk about in the next segment um and yeah a brilliant moment thank you for listening to me and i notice i don't have any reviews on apple podcasts so if anybody has a minute time and they listen to me regularly um telling you where the heavenly bodies are if you could just go over there and say oh this is such a cool podcast or oh i can't stand listening to it but i need to know where the planets are whatever you want to say but just say something and then apple will recognize me that's kind of the world we live in okay so i'm going on and on and on and it's 12 minutes I'll be back for those who want to know about the solar eclipse and about the moon 50 festival. Otherwise, I wish you all au revoir. Bye-bye. Ciao. Take care. Thank you. Merci. doing july 20th between 6 30 and 10 p.m it's a saturday by the way well did you know there is going to be an amazing talk headlining margaret atwood yes it's true it is part of the moon 50s festival which will take place in Greenwich this year. And I would have so much liked to be in a part of it. And uh, someone did ask for me, but it seems they didn't have an uh, opportunity to include my passion for where the heavenly bodies are. But they are open-minded. And when I post about where the planets are, the heavenly bodies are especially the moon or when they post where the moon is and it's not astronomically correct and i tell them they are grateful so and they did um say that i was they were happy for me to mention them in my podcast so i am mentioning this amazing um night where there are still tickets available because i they have quite a few Um, festivities happening and some of them most of them are sold out so if you would be interested in seeing um, a very specially curated collection 
of women's um, it's between performances and talks about their relationship to the moon on the 20th of July, I suggest you go to moonfestival.co.uk. Now, I'll just give you a brief description of what's happening. Okay, so they will have Helen Lederer's Moon Monologues. And it's going to be an insight into the lunacy of showbiz, <laughs> which seems interesting. Next, I'll have Angela Chan, and that is the moon goddess, and her space travels through mythology, science fiction, and lunar exploration programs. And I am mindful of um, Chinese astrology. Is quite um, a lot of it is based on astronomy as well and how they call certain parts of the sky mansions i i find that interesting so i thought that would be interesting next they'll have a visual poem and surrealistic short film about body and identity transformations of women guided by the cycles of the moon so i hope of course um you know where the heavenly bodies where the position of the moon is correct but it doesn't matter because the moon of course its main um point of focus is on what we can see and how we see it grow into a full moon and then reduce itself and become a new moon and the cycle that goes on and on since the beginning of time that we can see, you know, every month is what's so special about the moon. And, yeah, another reason why I think people should know astronomically where it is. Because that colors the energy and that gives meaning to certain parts of the sky. And also, it is just a part of the natural laws of nature and how our earth to grow our food is interacting with the power the sheer power of the moon and how it pulls the water out of the soil to nurture the seeds how it pulls the water from the ocean to move the tides how it pulls the emotion out of us because we are mostly made of water. Yeah. So that's why. And there will be a moon opera. Which sounds incredible. Yeah. And last but not least. The keynote lecture will be as I said from Margaret Atwood. And it will be called The Moon and Magic. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Margaret Atwood since The Handmaid's Tale, of course. But also, she is born on the same exact day as I am. So I'm very proud of that. But we don't have the same moon because I investigated that. Otherwise, I really would have made a trip to Greenwich and said, I have to be part of this festival. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Besides, get yourselves over to the um 
website because there's a lot of things happening and I think it's definitely worth your attention, worth looking into. There's a lot of work been put into this. I've been watching from the sidelines. I didn't expect to be in London. That was one of the reasons I sat on the fence. But now that I know I'm going to be in London, I really would like to be a part of it. I hope someone from the Moon Festival is hearing this. Anyway, I'm going to wish you all a fantastic moment. I'm going to do another segment, as I promised, about this amazing moment that's happening tomorrow with the solar eclipse on the 2nd of July at 2016. London time. Okay, have a magical moment and as I always say, remember to live in the now. Sorry about that. I believe I was a little technical thing. I'm not going to re-record it. It's just a little blip from a previous um podcast of mine. So, yes. Go to moonfestival.co.uk. Okay? And you'll see all the amazing events that will be happening over the course of, I believe, five days. But one of my favorite, of course, is the one that I mentioned to you on the 20th of July. Take care of yourselves, everybody, and thanks for listening. And if you want to know about the solar eclipse, then stay tuned for the next segment. Bye. So I am back with what I feel is a very exciting episode part or segment of this episode because wow I personally have experienced a solar lunar eclipse it was a lunar eclipse last July on the 27th it was on the eve of the day my mother passed away from this plane to another plane and the day before I was wondering because she wasn't well and I was wondering oh will I get to go down to the Red Sea and see the moon eclipse you know will I see the moon disappear so what happens is that it gets dark um really really dark like the moon there's no moonlight on a full moon and it was one of the longest that was going to happen in 150 years or something like that and on the morning of that day of the lunar eclipse um at 6:05 a.m. my mother uh took her last breaths here and that evening I sat on the Red Sea and I thought about her and why I was in Egypt and it was quite a emotional um, day to say the least and it still is emotional um, but I know that my life changed of course on that day I didn't know how much it would change but when I'm looking at the positions of the heavenly bodies and of the sun and the moon and the nodes and all that for the solar eclipse that's going to happen tomorrow that I will not be able to see, only 
in South America will be seen in some islands in South Pacific I believe then I you know of course am conscious how powerful this alignment is and I want to bring something new to the table by looking for and researching for scientific um, visual information that isn't based on an idea or a philosophy or because somebody said it was true somebody believed it or somebody channeled it not that I have anything against channeling it's just that I am curious how life fits together and I'm looking for proof every single day and yeah so what's exciting about this there's a couple of things I'll start with the first thing because it relates to how I give the information on this podcast and people are used to that information as well and that is that the rising point at 2016 this is GMT that's not Greenwich Mean Time but it's the time of London tomorrow in the evening it's going to be at 16 minutes after 8 on the second and at that time on our horizon, it will be zero degrees and 22 arch minutes of Sagittarius, which is seconds, well, not look, say, literally um, eight minutes away from the galactic center. So you could say that it, the alignment is there between the horizon and the galactic center. That's number one. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting for me to note because I have observed things that happen when heavenly bodies pass the galactic center. And so I'm very curious what I can observe at that time. Secondly, we've got what I love about this calculation, mathematical calculation, we see repetition of numbers. And that is also very important. And it seems that the number we have here is three. So, um, like we have, and we have had Saturn and the south node at 21 degrees of Sagittarius. And since we're like rising Sagittarius, galactic center Sagittarius, and the Saturn and K2 in Sagittarius, and, you know, the ascendant at zero degrees, 22, also a master number, arch minutes, and then we have the 2121, which is three, it's also a very strong numerological number. Then I am curious about the energy of Sagittarius. And especially since everybody thinks that Saturn is, or like Western astrologers say Saturn's in Capricorn. And Capricorn is an Earth sign, blah, blah, blah. It has nothing to do with what 
far-reaching Jupiter has always been about and you know I'm quite passionate because even I grew up as a Sagittarius or like told I was a Sagittarius identified with Sagittarius more than so-called Scorpio and uh, Scorpio um sun but the fact is that in this calculation I am actually a Sagittarius rising and I'm at the end of Sagittarius Rising. And I was also able, because I wasn't sure of my birth time 100%. It was always said 11.15, but once I heard 11.18, and once I heard 11.30, blah, 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 blah. And when I was holding the hand of my mother, and of course I looked at the time and she took her last breath, because actually I had to encourage her to do it. Because she was hanging on for me, I found out later, but. I knew exactly when she passed and I felt how when she passed and when I calculated it it correlated with my ascendant and I was able to modify my birth time just by some minutes but you know the chance that that ascendant would be affected because the ascendant is even faster even more sensitive than the moon's transits it moves one degree every four minutes okay so for that to really coincide that moment in time to hit on my ascendant that's based on a moment in time that changes every four minutes was quite for me a verification that that had um some validity to it so yeah that was that so let's talk about the moon what's happening now is that you know we have um the solar eclipse that's going to be happening we have another fixed star that i'm quite um fascinated by and that is beetlejuice they call it it's at the end of the taurus constellation and venus is exactly uh, conjuncted at the time of the solar eclipse and it will be kind of the last thing it does before it leaves Taurus and actually in that area of the sky you could even say that that is like Orion actually is Betelgeuse actually part of the Orion constellation Ooh, I hate to be so vague on it. I will look for it and put it in the comments. But yeah, that is another thing that I find really poignant. So whatever you hear, I don't even follow what Western astrologers say in Cancer. I don't know what degree it is. Thank goodness it took me years to move away from that. Um, but Vedic astrologers and other calculations, there's so many calculations, they're talking about 16 degrees. I think they're talking, maybe they're talking about because the node is at 17 degrees and when exactly happens. But let's just say that at the time that the sun and the moon are exactly at the same um, degree, they're going to be at 10 degrees of Gemini and 12 arch minutes. And that is before a really important star, Sirius, which sits at almost 14 degrees of Gemini. And the um, node 
which makes this a solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse, because the node is the calculation as we are on the exact plane, because sometimes we're a little bit, a couple of degrees off, but this time what makes it clear and how we can, the people who will be able to see the solar eclipse is because they are directly in line, aligned with where the sun and the moon and the earth are. So they will be able to see that. And that is why it happens that way. And that node point, that north node point is at 17 degrees of Gemini. So what I want to say about this first, second, and thirdly, because I could go on. The first thing I've said is it's aligned to the galactic center. So it could be major. Or let's not even say that. Let's say let's be conscious to use this Sagittarius energy that is abundant, connected to Jupiter. And Jupiter really, really, really is connecting with a focus, which is the healer, which is the thinking outside of the box, is part of the shift, is part of the new consciousness. Okay, not the old paradigm. This is really part of the new paradigm, the Sagittarius. So this is something to behold and to appreciate that, you know, the ascendant, which is moving a degree every four minutes, is in Sagittarius. Not even just a Sagittarius, it's at zero Sagittarius. It is beginning and will go through that space. Right, starting and then just continuing, you know, it takes about a couple of hours for it to go through that. So it will, you know, be quite fresh in that energy of fire, of Sagittarius, of abundance, of the visionary, of one who is, you know, giving of ideas and, um is now, say, part of a transformation in a focus and is retrograde, which means it's closer to the earth and it's slow. So it is really taking on board this kind of energy that it gets from being in this space that is part of the shift. And yeah, That is a mouthful just for the first thing because that is all happening based on the fact I said is about the numerology with number three and the fact that we have the Saturn at 21 degrees and of course the node which is at 21 degrees of Sagittarius and 180 degrees in this calculation makes it the north node rahu 17 degrees of gemini so it's not 21 it is 17 but it is important to note they are always exactly 180 degrees across from each other so we have this numerology telling us in a way which i this is how i interpret it all into my opinion that saturn and K2, which has to do with what came before, 
knowledge from before, maybe experiences before, if you want to call them karma or whatever, or what you have as a present, what you have in your possession, um, is on the other side. I don't even want to say opposing, but is on the other side. Maybe even balancing the new moon in Gemini. And at the in the middle of Gemini even, which is great because sometimes it could happen at the end and then it could go into another energy. But no, this energy will be around for another 15 days. I mean, up into the new, the full moon. So what can we say about that? I wonder if we're going to even have we might even have a full moon in Gemini. We'll have to check that. Anyway, so what I look at is the balance of these energies to make my hypothesis. And my hypothesis is this. When you have fire, galactic center, Saturn energy on one side, part of the past in retrograde, connecting to Jupiter and Fucus retrograde then this is kind of stuff that in a way I feel and I'm happy to feel that because I'm an ostrich and a cloudette um that these things are out of your control okay and they're divine in their case they're number three this is out of your control this is happening whether you like it or not okay so but on the new moon side where there's Gemini where there's air and intelligence and thought and questions and curiosity, that's up to you. And that's free. That's like knowledge you can just pull out of the sky and use it or a book you can read or a course you can take or an idea you can have and go run away with it. Run like the wind with it because we're talking air, we're talking omnipresent, we're talking free free to create and do what you want to do and in the middle of the belly of Gemini and the third most important thing is the fact that in this solar eclipse the corona which is hotter than the actual sun is really what you're told not to look at but it's really the star of this phenomenon. Because the corona, meaning is a crown in Latin. That's where the origin of the word. And they say it is an aura, a plasma that surrounds the sun and other stars. The sun's corona, though, extends millions of kilometers into outer space. And most easily, it is observed during a total eclipse. So if this energy expands kilometers in outer space, what do you think it does to the Earth? It affects us and it's strong and it's shiny 
and it's new it's a beginning of a phase with the moon which of course is our satellite and it's giving us a special information in this Gemini space that if you're curious enough if you're open enough if you ask questions you can use this cosmic weather to find the answers and that is number three and that is why I am happy and grateful for the opportunity to share my thoughts about this very special day that's going to happen on the 2nd of July at 2016 and even more special for the people who will be able to see it with their own eyes but you know the last thing I want to say is connected to what I always say look up look up and if you use whatever you tools you can use if you can see the solar eclipse or you can see it on TV what's interesting is that because of the solar eclipse some stars will be visible these stars you normally can't see in the daytime because it's too bright. And if you have that star chart app, I keep telling people get, or any other, and you point to it, actually that could prevent you from looking at the sun, you'll see some stars of Gemini, maybe Castor and Pollock or Wazat. These are real major stars that will ever forever be connected with Gemini and I come back to the point is that we are not in cancer and let's appreciate what we can see with our eyes and the opportunity to see this with our eyes and embrace embrace the true mathematical astronomical amazing position of the sun and the moon on this solar eclipse so much love and light to every single one of you Thank you for your time, and I really appreciate you listening to 257 episodes. I don't know if there's one person. I know I have, but anyway, thanks for being on this journey with me, and have a brilliant solar eclipse moment. Bye for now. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.